0: Hello and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. A paradigm shift in jihadist thinking suggests that the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan may prove to have achieved more than many counterterrorism experts would want policymakers and military strategists to believe. Similarly, the paradigm shift also hints at the possibility. That the presence in a taliban governed afghanistan of various militant islamist and jihadist groups could turn out to be an advantage in efforts to prevent and contain political violence the evolution of tensions and unfolding of differences in the world of afghan militancy will constitute a litmus test of the shift and how history will ultimately judge the united States' 20-year forever war in afghanistan in terms of counter-terrorism. The shift involves a move away from cross-border and transnational acts of violence towards local militancy and the garnering of popular support through good governance based on an ultra-conservative interpretation of Islam. It is a difference in strategy that constitutes one of the ideological and strategic differences between Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State scholar and journalist Hassan Hassan wrote in a lengthy piece of rare up-close reporting on jihadist militancy that this is not because the jihadist ideology has softened. It is because they have learned that inviting overwhelming reprisals from modern militaries is the fastest way to forfeit their conquests, squander their influence, and be forced to start all over again. Mr. Hassan went on to say that contrary to how some understand the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan, the lesson extremists are taking from the Taliban's success is not simply that jihad works, but that diplomacy and engagement are a necessary part of the process, which includes reassuring the West about external threats emerging from their areas. What can be gained from parlays in Doha is more significant, and lasting than a terror attack. The shift amounts to a return to the pattern of Islamic militancy that historically is rooted in local grievances and conflicts. Mr. Hassan also describes the Islamic State's transnational jihadism that targets the West, long embraced by al-Qaeda, as an aberration of that history. Mr. Hassan's analysis is supported by research Published by the Sufan Group, a research organization established by Ali Sufan, a former FBI agent who played an important role in the interrogation of captured Al Qaeda officials and was involved in related cases in the United States and elsewhere. Analyst Abdul Sayed noted that Al Qaeda, in an effort to prevent the United States from driving it out of Afghanistan and Pakistan, has shifted focus from global terrorist attacks and external operations to supporting local jihadist groups throughout South Asia and fueling the narratives that underpin their objectives. This shift helped build resilience, allowing al-Qaeda to survive despite the massive blows inflicted by the United States and its allies. The Islamic State's loss of its proto-state in Syria and Iraq and the Taliban victory in Afghanistan, appear to vindicate this paradigm shift. CNN correspondent Clarissa Ward said she walked away from an interview in August with Abdu Munir, the name used by a commander of the Islamic State Khorasan, two days before it attacked Kabul airport, with the impression that ISIS Khorasan is very different from ISIS in Syria and Iraq. Mrs. Ward was referring to the Afghan affiliate, as well as the Islamic State itself, using common Western abbreviations for them. Mrs. Ward said that the conversation that I had with this commander did not lead me to believe that they had the same level of transnational ambitions. They're much more focused on the Taliban, honestly, than they are on trying to blow up a plane, and they're much more simple, less sophisticated. The jihadist strategy shift would be further vindicated if the Taliban victory also reinforces ultra-conservative religious trends in neighboring Pakistan. Ultra-conservatives and jihadists may take heart from recent opposition by Muslim clerics, including Tahir Mahmoud Ashrafi, Prime Minister Imran Khan's special representative for religious harmony, to draft legislation that would ban forced conversions. As a result, the shift could become one more argument to justify a possible future decision by President Joe Biden to pull U.S. troops out of Iraq and Syria, originally dispatched to fight the Islamic State, as part of the emerging contours of a Biden doctrine. Analysts Hal Brand and Michael O'Hanlon argue that there is no question that the GWOT, or Grand War a global war on terrorism has not gone as planned, yet it would still be wrong and rash simply to discard the GWOT as a strategic failure. The fact that consecutive presidents have found it so difficult to extricate the United States from ongoing operations in the greater Middle East reflects the reality of a persistent threat from extremist organizations and their allies." GWOT has been considerably more fruitful than it might first appear, the analyst said. Messrs. Brandon and O'Hanlon may be painting an overly optimistic picture. In the best of cases, Taliban ruled Afghanistan will only partially live up to their criteria of success, laid out in a recent journal article. The Taliban's policing of jihadists may prevent them from targeting the United States and others, but will continue to offer them a safe haven, allowing them to recruit. Afghanistan scholar Antonio Giorstosi noted that being a safe haven for global jihadists and acting as a launchpad for attacks against the West are not the same thing. Under the Doha agreement, the Taliban have committed to preventing attacks being launched from Afghanistan, but they have not pledged to cut off relations with foreign jihadist groups altogether nor to expel them from Afghanistan. Even so, on balance, that could turn out to be less of a problem, provided the Taliban are able to keep in check the Islamic State, the one jihadist group that refuses to accept its takeover of Afghanistan, or make Tehriki Taliban Pakistan, TTP, the Pakistani Taliban, adopt the shift in strategy. The Fata Morgana of a Taliban 2.0 could be shattered if large numbers of Taliban fighters defect to the Islamic State in protest against the group's policing of militants on Afghan soil and or embracing degrees of social liberalization, particularly regarding women's rights. That could prove to be a big if. Question marks about the Taliban's ability to police those groups that have welcomed its victory and or pledged allegiance to it, have already begun to emerge. Mr. Giyostozzi reports that in contrast to Pakistani militants, Lashkar-e-Taibe and lashkar e and the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan, the TTP and Al-Qaeda have refused to negotiate agreements that would tighten Taliban control by moving them to different parts of the country. Lashkar e taibe and Lashkar e jangvi a groups seen as having close ties to Pakistani intelligence. The proposed agreements reportedly stroked with demands put forward by China that the Taliban ensure that militants on Afghan soil are prevented from training, raising funds, and recruiting. Suhail Shaheen, a Taliban spokesperson in Qatar, appeared to acknowledge the demands in an interview with the Global Times, a Chinese Communist Party newspaper. First, we will not allow any training on our territory. Second, we will not allow any fundraising for those who intend to carry out a foreign agenda. Third, we will not allow the establishment of any recruitment center in Afghanistan. These are the main things, Mr. Shaheen said. Zabihullah Mujahid, the Taliban's chief spokesperson in Kabul, however, last month left the door open on the Taliban's relationship with the TTP. Mr. Mujahid said on Pakistani television that the issue of the TTP is one that Pakistan will have to deal with, not Afghanistan. He said it was up to Pakistan and Pakistani Islamic scholars and religious figures, not the Taliban, to decide on the legitimacy or illegitimacy of their war and to formulate a strategy in response. The spokesman stopped short of saying whether the Taliban would abide by a decision of the scholars. The TTP is believed to be responsible for a recent spike in attacks on Pakistani security forces, including a suicide attack in Pakistan that killed at least three paramilitary soldiers and wounded 20 other people. The stepped-up attacks prompted the New Zealand cricket team to last week abandon its first tour of Pakistan in 18 years and abruptly leave the country, while England canceled its visit that had been scheduled for next month. Similarly, behind the facades, cracks had already emerged between the Taliban and al-Qaeda prior to the U.S. withdrawal, prompting the group like the TTP, to refuse to negotiate a deal with the Afghans and build support among factions of the Taliban that are more sympathetic to the jihadists. Al-Qaeda was wary of what the Taliban's agreement with the United States would mean for the group and suspected the Afghans of having a hand in the killing of several of its senior members in recent years. Al-Qaeda worries moreover that Taliban understandings with China and Russia could put its freedom of movement and or existence into further jeopardy. Apparently anticipating a Taliban failure to control all jihadists on Afghan soil and or adoption of the paradigm shift by some major jihadist groups, US intelligence officials predicted that al-Qaeda would be able to reconstitute itself in Afghanistan and be capable of orchestrating attacks inside the U.S. in one or two years. Their predictions were bolstered by the return to Afghanistan of Anwar ul-Haq Mujahid, a leader of Osama bin Laden's former Black Guard, who allegedly helped plan and orchestrate the jihadist leader's escape in 2001 as the United States bombed his torah Bora hideout. Mr. Mujahid no family of the Taliban spokesman, reportedly returned to Jalalabad to command Taliban forces and foreign fighters in eastern Afghanistan. Several of his associates are also said to be back. However, Mr. Mujahid's return does not by definition deny the potential shift in al-Qaeda strategy that is supported by the Taliban. It could be the Taliban's way of placating the group as well as the more militant with militant within its own ranks. Scholar Cole Bunzel says that despite the persistence of the relationship, the Taliban have a strong interest in holding al-Qaeda in check. It is not hard to imagine a scenario in which the Taliban provides space and financial support for al-Qaeda to operate while also restricting the activities of the group to plot and stage attacks. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at middeastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.